right, the wait is finally over. Welcome, everyone. This is the second season of the Wormburner Podcast, Episode 1. I am your host, Justin. And for this season, as well as this episode, I wanted to take a different approach than what I did last season, even though I did, of course, like it. It was a overall view of the positions, the roles within the soccer field, and keeping it within the field. This year, I really want to expand, and I want to bring it to the world stage that, in all honesty, soccer should be. That's the way people should view it, and I want to put different leagues uh, in review uh, as for the actual history behind the competition, uh, different rules that may be implicated within these leagues, um, as well as other minute and small details that I find interesting, and maybe you will too, as well as taking a grasp of current events, keeping up to date with what's going on in the real world today, as well as the past when it comes to soccer in general. I feel like this is going to be an amazing season. So before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to go ahead and shout out the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner podcast. And if you have not already, check out our website, the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. And I had one more little bit of housekeeping. I had heard from a listener of the podcast that it was going to be their birthday that this episode comes out so I wanted to give a small shout out to them Uh, happy birthday and I hope that they have an amazing day so without further ado let's go ahead and get into this week's episode so for the first section of this week's episode I wanted to talk about recent or current events when it comes to the soccer world and There's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Um, Barcelona have basically uh, come out from the rut that they've been dished within this past year. I had ended last year's episode on basically the whole Messi and all of the different things that that were going on at that club, and they were in a big, big financial hole. It seems like that they've fought out of that financial hole a little bit. Whether that whether that actually shows is going to be within the foreseeable future, I I hope at least. Uh, I I would love to see Barcelona be able to recuperate from what happened, but only time will tell. And I think they've gone about it in a decent way. They're required, or, or they are going deeper into their academy which is what they should have been doing in the first place because, I mean, La Masia Academy is, is one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. It depends on who you really ask. And they weren't doing that. They were spending a ton of money on on big names, high-profile signings, and to to some degree, it can help, but for them, it wasn't helping at all, and the results showed. So... Uh, I feel like that they fought back a little bit, as well as the appointment of Xavi back to Barcelona, coming back to Barcelona, I mean, uh, not as a player, but as a manager. He is just going to be, I think he is going to be really good for the club. Whether he does anything, I don't want to say significant, because having a a job like that in itself is significant uh, within, I think this is his second job ever 
I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like he can put them back on the track that they need to be on. That was a, that was a good appointment. Now, when it comes to winning titles, when it comes to winning competitions like the Champions League that I know that Barcelona fans and people just in general that uh, watch and follow Barcelona, they're going to be wanting those titles. And whether Xavi's the man for that, I'm not entirely sure. But from a a tactical and uh, stylistic point of view, Xavi was probably the perfect person to be able to take the club back to where they were, where they used to be. And like I said, the title-winning manager, I, I mean, I hope I hope that he would. I hope that Xavi is that man, but only time will tell with that as well. We have had some rather unexpected wins when it comes to particular continental competitions, one of them being in the CONCACAF Champions League I had alluded to uh, with a post on our Facebook page. It, it was Colorado Rapids against Communication. That in itself was a very, very good match. If you want to go back and look at the highlights of that match, 100% worth it. It it was a very tight, tight, tight matchup. And I feel at the end of the day, Colorado came out of it wanting more. They they I know that they wanted to move on in the competition, but the scoreline said otherwise. Going over to Europe, there was a massive game between Rangers and Borussia Dortmund. And, of course, Rangers ended up winning that game if you had been following the Europa League over in Europe. It, that was just unbelievable. I saw the news on that, and I'm like, that that has to be either the under-18s or or uh, the women's teams or, or something. That, that can't be the men's teams. And sure enough, it, it was. And I was just completely jaw jaw dropping moment honestly i'm not entirely sure what happened that was one game series i did not follow but i know for a fact that when that happened it just it completely blindsided me uh but congratulations to rangers of course when you beat a team like Borussia Dortmund that it takes high praise or it, it should be received with high praise uh, and they thoroughly deserve it the way that at least the paper shows uh, they beat them. But the piece of news that I wanted to take a little deeper dive on this week was the apparent appointment of Jesse Marsh to Leeds United after Leeds United fired their manager, Marcelo Bielsa. And that was a bit of a shock for me. Of course, with uh, Jesse Marsh, he has a very big career within the European game itself. He was a ex-manager of uh, Red Bull Salzburg in Austria um, for a couple of years. That's where he got his recognition and uh, basically his reputation gain. Uh, then he was hired on as the manager that replaced Julian Nagelsmann at RB Leipzig in Germany, which is the parent club of Salzburg. And Basically, I it was a bit of a hit or miss when it came to Marsh at Leipzig. He 
definitely was a bit of a character that went against what Nogglesman was building when it came to the Salzburg or the Leipzig build. Uh, he was he was going a little bit older school than Leipzig really liked or agreed with, and he had an unfortunate end in December. He was fired from Leipzig. Uh, for having the team in 11th place in the league, and I believe they had ended up losing in the Champions League group stage, uh, but they, they had a tough, a tough group in the uh, Champions League this past year, and now he's being touted for the Leeds job. Whether that's a good appointment, I'm not sure, and to this date, I don't know if it's confirmed just yet. I do know that he is the strong favorite for that job. I just don't know if he is going to be the right fit for Leeds. I feel like, honestly, when it comes to the lifestyle, or not the lifestyle, the uh, tactics and the overall appearance of how Marsh takes the team, it it's a little too closely resemblant to what res- what Bielsa does. And I don't know if it's a good thing. Because for me personally, when it comes to teams in the relegation zone or coming up and, and having a relegation battle in big leagues like England, like France and Spain, Italy, Germany, you don't want to stay with the same tactic that puts you in that kind of position in the first place. Whether it works or not, we'll see. I hope it does. Leeds is a good team. They had a bunch of really smart transfers when it came to uh, this past couple of seasons, and they ended up getting promoted. I believe it was in 2017-2018 when they got promoted and yeah they've shown off their guns numerous times against big teams and I feel like that they deserve to be up whether that happens or not only time will tell and yeah I am a little unsure about Jesse Marsh Jesse Marsh is the second American head coach to be brought into the British Premier League of course the first one being uh, Bob Bradley at Swansea City uh, which was later relegated uh, out of the English Premier League and at least to date today uh, they are not back in the British Premier League. I hope sometime in the future they are back because I actually know a friend of mine that is a big fan of Swansea City. So uh, whether they come back or not, that's a completely different story. I think I, I hope that they do. It would be a fun competition for them to get back into. So, But with the appointment of Jesse Marsh, I don't know if that's the best one for Leeds. Whether it is or not, I hope that it is. I hope Jesse Marsh, and honestly, when it comes to the British Premier League, they don't have a very positive outlook on American coaches. Uh, I think one of the best examples of that, I want to go to Manchester United. They had a incident recently that uh, basically some of the players ended up disrespecting the second-in-command of 
the United hierarchy. It was the assistant head coach, or the assistant coach uh, to the head coach, Rolf Radnick. And they ended up calling him a offshoot of Ted Lasso, which I don't know if, if you know or uh, follow the TV show. Ted Lasso is about an American football head coach that gets brought into soccer and has to learn pretty much everything from scratch. And it's a comedy slash a little bit of a learning process for people in general that are being brought into the soccer world. I think it's a good show, personally, for me. I think I think it hits the nail right on the head that Americans don't know what they're really talking about when it comes to soccer. That show highlights it. And for a coach to be named a offshoot of Ted Lasso, or being called Ted Lasso in general, that's a massive disrespect to Americans just in general, because... I mean, I'm American. I absolutely love, I I breathe the sport almost every single day. I watch something soccer related. I, I gain my history and my understanding uh, over a massive amount of time. I've been following the sport since, I don't know, I was 12, 13 years old, maybe even earlier than that. I, I have been through everything major within the late 2000s to 2010s uh, I wish it was more than that because uh, this is a beautiful this is a beautiful game this is a beautiful sport but to know that some teams in the big big teams of the world view Americans as this cheap insult it kind of puts into perspective for you what they think and how they want to perceive Americans, at least personally for me. I I don't take it more than face value. I don't think it was a dig directly at Americans uh, like many people would probably make you think. I think it was just more of the insult of man, like, that sucks. Like, we're being used as the butt of a joke to a actual professional manager. And it is what it is. I, I hope that uh, within the next couple of years, they, we can really um, change our perspective, change our standing in the world when it comes to soccer. Um, I know that within the next couple of years, it's going to be a bit harder um, because, of course, with the 2026 World Cup, uh, we have a host bid with Mexico and Canada. And with that being uh, introduced into the World Cup, uh, having us hosting spot for that World Cup, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but that is an automatic entry into the World Cup. You don't have to qualify for the World Cup so it it's an automatic place into the World Cup, and we have a been we've been a bit spotty when it comes to World World Cup qualifications. Of course, 2018, <laughs> we don't even have to talk about that. And then this past this this previous season, we're actually doing decent for the World Cup uh, coming up this year. It it's a bit of a a mismatch mix mix up and mis mishmash of different different results and we seem to be collective and together now 
we'll see if that actually <laughs> lasts. Uh, but like I said, uh, having that mentality, it's a bit of a, uh, it's going to be a bit of a problem, I think, for Jesse Marsh in, in England. Um, I hope it they, he doesn't let it get to them or get to him. And he he deserves the best, and I want him to be able to flourish in the game. Whether Leeds United is that way that he can flourish, only again, like I've said this entire time, only time will really tell. And I do genuinely wish the best best for Jesse Marsh. Um, he has an uphill battle with Leeds, and I hope he can get them out of rele- relegation. Because I will be 100% honest. If he does not get them out of that relegation scrap, uh, he, I don't think he's going to have a job at the end of the year. Uh, and considering the fact that he's had a big five team managing with Leipzig and he held the position less than a year, I hope he can turn that around to his favor and he can make the best of what he's been given. That That's all I can I can really say. Jesse Marsh, I, I wish you well, man. I I really, really, really do. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into the league breakdown for this week's episode, La Liga in Spain. So, with the recent events out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about La Liga in Spain and the overall premise of how that league has come about. So La Liga has been a league since 1929, and they have been overall the same when it comes to the teams that perform in the league. Um, There are only three teams in La Liga that have never been relegated or have never been kicked out of the league. That is Barcelona and Real Madrid, which, of course, the the two biggest clubs in the country itself, but a very unexpected team that has never been relegated from La Liga is Athletic Club de Bilbao. Um, That is one that, honestly, I don't think a lot of people know, and a team that I feel deserves a lot more credit than they've been given recently. Their team has been shrouded with controversy, and we'll of course get to that in a minute. But overall, La Liga has been around, again, like I said, since 1929. Uh, Before that, there were a bunch of independent uh, leagues and a a bunch of independent uh, districts that were competing for a title uh, in that aspect. So it was the first time in 1929 that the Spanish Federation came together and said, hey... We need one league, and that's the birth of La Liga. It has hardly ever changed uh, from its original format. Um, the top five positions get qual- qualification into continental competitions, uh, and then the sixth place and seventh place get uh, qualification berths into these Uh, continental competitions in a different way Um, we can of course break that down and get into it in later episodes but uh, then of course the last three positions in the league get relegated uh, in La Liga there is no playoffs when it comes to um, the relegation Uh, like some other top five 
teams in or top five leagues in Europe do. We'll get to those, of course, in later episodes. But overall, that is the general premise of La Liga when it comes to the history behind it. Um, there is a clear and obvious winner when it comes to the number of titles that have been won in La Liga, and that is, of course, Real Madrid. Of course, to this date, they have won 34 of the titles that have, of course, happened between 1929 and 2021. Uh, they are coming up on their 35th title this year. Uh, whether they win it or not, we'll see. Again, this is it seems like the theme of the episode only time will tell uh in second place you have barcelona with 26 league titles and then in third place atletico madrid with 11 and then of course that uh little big team uh, that nobody has hardly really heard of at least on the global stage athletic bilbao uh with eight league titles after or since we have talked about the league, I want to go ahead and talk about the continental competition or the, the domestic competition. I'm so sorry. The domestic competition that is in Spain. For these episodes, I do want to leave out the uh, quote-unquote Supercopa competitions. Uh, I know that people that have been following the sport for a very long time, they will know what I'm talking about. Um, but I want to leave those out. I just want to focus on the league and the domestic cup competitions that are within these leagues. And for Spain, that is the Copa del Rey, or a translation to English, the King's Cup. Uh, that has been a competition for much longer than La Liga has been around for about 15-ish years, maybe a little more. It's been founded since 1903. And that has a very different point of view when it comes to the titles won in that competition. Barcelona have won 31 of the Copa del Reyes since 1908 or 1903, I apologize. And then the second place team is Athletic Bilbao, that tiny team that uh, is putting up a fight against the rest of these uh, big three teams. They've won 23 of those Copa del Rey titles. Um, in third place, you have Real Madrid with 19 Copa del Rey titles. And then Atletico Madrid rounding up the top four with 10 Copa del Rey titles under their belt. Now, when it comes to the uh, league itself or when it comes to the leagues in general I want to take a approach of finding a interesting tidbit or a unique fact about these leagues and as I said before I want to go ahead and preview Athletic Bilbao a little more because they have a rule within their club that has seen controversy within the past 10 years in the soccer world and for for some reason feel people feel that it was a good reason that it they it should be criticized others they're tied to the history behind the team itself and why at least for my personal view it is a good 
a good thing for this club to do. So, Athletic Bilbao has a Basque-only player requirement when it comes to their club. So, if you don't know, Athletic Club is founded in the capital city of Bilbao, uh, or the capital city of the region of the Basque country in Spain. Uh, the majority of the Basque country is located in the northeast side of Spain, and some of the Basque country actually goes into France. Um, and a very prominent French uh, player that has actually been labeled as a Basque player is Antoine Griezmann that currently plays with Atletico Madrid uh, and used to play for Barcelona. Uh, he is, of course, French. Everyone knows that he is French, but his parent and his lineage is from the Basque region of France um, that, of course, goes over into Spain. But Athletic Bilbao have a Basque-only player mentality. They only buy and sell players, of course, that are from the region itself. And when it comes to the recent history of this club, a lot of people put that into criticism of it basically being racist. And I can agree to some degree and to some extent, but if you actually go back uh, to 1911, Bilbao was in the Copa del Rey and they ended up getting slapped with a ban from the competition, uh, basically saying that they fielded illegal or illegitimate players on their roster. This was a massive blow to Bilbao, and they took a massive offense to that because they were a big club at the time, and during those early stages of Spanish uh, league and cup history, Barcelona and Real were not the big team. It was Bilbao that was the team to beat in Spain. And when they were slapped with that um, with that offense to the Copa del Rey uh, competition, they vowed that they would never ever be slapped with a a violation like that ever again, which is the reason why the Basque-only player requirement was brought into effect, and to this day, it has still never been broken. So to have such a... And, and this is where another bit of the controversy comes in, that they have a much smaller pool of players to actually pick from because they're only picking from one region of Spain. They can't go around the world. Now, their rival, uh, Real Sociedad, which is again from the Basque country like Bilbao is, they actually had a similar requirement, but um, they ended up relaxing it, I believe, in the mid to late 1900s to be more competitive. But some people that have been following the sport for a very long time actually think that the team was better before they relaxed that um, requirement. And, of course, like I had said before, um, the only three teams that have never been relegated from the La Liga League is Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Athletic Club, which means that Real Sociedad was relegated from La Liga 
this is not to say that this was a really good mentality. This is just a overall perspective when it comes to the region of the Basque country in Spain. A lot of people have different differing opinions when it comes to that mentality, but a very gigantic positive when it comes to Athletic Club is that they are then allowed, because they only buy and sell a specific amount of players, they can hold their players for a massive value for people that come in for their players. Now, unlike the United States, the rest of the world uses what's called the transfer market or the transfer policy when it comes to the clubs itself. Uh, they buy and sell players. And within these transfers, within these um, different swappings of money and players per se, uh, there is what's called a minimum release clause, which means that if this payout is made and to the tune of, I don't know, let's say for this example, uh, Kepa Rizabalaga, he was a goalkeeper for Athletic Club. Um, he was touted to go to Real for $18 million uh, in the summer of 2016, I believe, if my dates are correct. Anyways, he had been touted to go to Real Madrid for £18 million. He then signed a contract with Athletic Club, renewing that contract that was about to expire, and they had set a release clause to £74 million pounds. Uh, which is the release clause that was then activated by Chelsea. So once that sum is brought to the club, they cannot reject the player leaving the club if he even wants to leave the club because he can uh, say no to the contract uh, that the other team is providing. So in this instance, uh, Kepa Rizabalaga ended up going to Chelsea for that eye-watering 74 million pounds and because athletic club have such a tight restricted amount of players that they can transfer it allows them to have that bargaining power of saying hey we will not accept anything lower than these release clauses and if i'm not mistaken the majority if not all of athletic club dobobel's players have release clauses in their contracts at some point in their history. So this is a massive, massive thing that a lot of people feel, again, it it seems it seems a bit of a tiptoeing the line of what's okay and what's not okay. Um, it's very funny seeing those uh, arguments. Of course, like I said, it, it, it is an argument of... Um, essentially nationalism or a, a national pride of a region whereas Basque, the Basque country itself values it as a anti-globalization process and I can 100% respect that that's something that I feel is missing when it comes to soccer and having that personal identity to a region there is a lot, a lot of those different clubs and a lot of those different mentalities, but you never ever really truly see the entire club taking that mentality to Athletic Club de Bilbao's degree. And there is some part of me, 
personally, being a Manchester City fan, that really respects that. That is extremely admirable, and they have been able to take that and push it farther than almost, a, if not the majority of the clubs that have been in La Liga. And to even put this into perspective, how much this means to the Basque people, to Bilbao specifically, there was a poll done in the 2000s that asked Bilbao fans, what would they rather have? Would they rather have that Basque player mentality and the Basque player requirement taken away or relieved or would they rather be relegated they would lose their title of being the third non-relegated La Liga team which would they rather lose and over 72% of the athletic Bilbao people that took place in this poll said that they would rather get relegated than lose that policy which is crazy it shows the identitarian mentality of it and and i i i love it i love it so much it's it shows this pride for the region that i wanted to highlight and that was the reason why i took athletic bill bowels uh policy and i wanted to make it the unique fact of this week for la liga that totally deserved and if you have the chance watch Bilbao. They their soccer is very good. And if you can even watch the highlights when they beat Barca in the Copa del Rey just recently, I believe it was in the quarterfinals they beat them and that was a good game. That was a really good game. So with the history of La Liga being wrapped up here, um I do want to go ahead and cut the episode a little short. I think I'm going on about 34 35 minutes uh and i want to take out the uh, extra man advice of the week this week um i do apologize but i wanted to thank you all so so much for listening thank you thank you a million times thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode i hope you guys enjoyed it if you have not already go ahead and check out our facebook page facebook.com forward slash the worm burner podcast and if you have not seen our website the dash worm burner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm again that is the dash worm burner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm i hope you guys have an amazing week and i hope you guys enjoy the new kickoff of the mls season uh, just as much as I am and yeah I'm so excited for this year again thank you so so much stay safe have fun love soccer and I will see you guys next week ciao everyone